Right now, let's stand, pray, and invite the Lord. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would be here yourself, God. Lord, we acknowledge that unless you come, God, and unless you speak into our hearts through your word, then it is all in vain. So Jesus, we ask, we plead, open the eyes of our heart that we may see you, that we may know you, that we may love you, and that we may follow you. We thank you and we pray this all in your precious name. Amen. He was a pastor in Nazi Germany during World War II. He stood up to the Nazis. He was training the next generation of men to lead the church because the official church of Germany had pledged its allegiance to Hitler and served Nazis, the Nazis' purposes. Some even considered him a spy in his efforts to bring down Hitler. His name, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a very bright young man. He got his first PhD in theology at the age of 21. He taught and discipled many faithful men through illegal underground seminaries, risking his life. And on April 9, 1943, less than one month before Hitler was taken down, defeated, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was executed by the Nazis less than one month before the end of the war. He never lived to see the end of the war. He never lived to return back to his work of restoring the church. He never married the woman that he was engaged to. He laid his life down for the sake of Christ by faith. And you know what's amazing? Just a few years before, his family sent him to New York. They knew the war was happening. They sent him to New York to wait for the war to end. But as soon as he got off the boat and stepped into New York, he knew he had to go back. He knew that he can't stay and run he had to go back. God was putting on his heart that if he abandoned the church in its darkest moment, then how could he work to restore it after the Nazis were gone? That was the burden that God put on his heart. And by faith, he left as soon as he could. And he came back into the darkness. And by faith, he lost his life for Christ. Guys, this is real. This is a real life. And the Bible is full of many other examples of people who lived and died by faith. And we're going to look at that right now. By faith, they did the unthinkable. And what I want to do right now is, I just want to tell you, the entire camp, we're going to be going through Hebrews 12. 
Hebrews 12. But Hebrews 12 is built on Hebrews 11. So we're going to start in Hebrews 11. So please open your Bibles to Hebrews 11. And we're just going to go through a couple of verses looking at the different people. Does anyone want to shout out, what is Hebrews 11 called? What is that chapter called? What is it? Faith in action. That's a good one. What's another one? The Hall of Faith, right? It's, it's many faithful believers that are listed there and their faithful acts. And guys, what I want to do right now is as we go through select parts uh, of Hebrews 11... I want you to really imagine. I want you to really just try to immerse yourself into that person's world, into their shoes, and, and realize this is a real person who faced real struggles, real problems, real unthinkable circumstances, and how they were able to still move forward and be faithful. I want, I don't, you know, sometimes we read about like David and Goliath, and we're like, oh, wow, that's so amazing. Yeah, but, but we don't like... We, I don't think, I think we kind of disassociate ourselves because we hear that story so often, right? It, it doesn't really, the gravity of their situation doesn't really hit us because we're kind of just watching it from the side. And what I want you to do is I want you to kind of see it through their eyes because they were real people who went through real situations just like you and me, Okay. So let's look at that, starting with verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events yet as, as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Guys, just think about Noah's situation. You're living in what's called just a flat land, right? Desert. And then God gives you a vision or God tells you in a dream that there's going to be a worldwide flood. First of all, that's never happened before. It's never happened before, right? Like, what, what, what is that? How is that even possible? No one even thought of that. He says, you need to build a big boat in the middle of a field. And it didn't take him two weeks. It probably took him years. I think some people say maybe even took him a hundred years to build the ark. Just imagine how insane you must feel. Like, I'm getting up and I'm, I'm, I'm that crazy dude that's building an ark in the middle of nowhere. Because one day the world is going to flood. And yet by faith, just tr out of trusting God, he kept building and he kept ignoring all the attacks, the mockery, the laughter towards him. Ignoring the fact that he looked like a fool in everyone's eyes. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. Guys, imagine this. God gives you a vision, says, hey, sell all that you can't take with you. Take your business, take all your employees, take your wife, your family, and just go. Okay, Lord, I'm down. I'll go. Where? I'm not going to tell you. Just, guys, just imagine that. Like, get in your car and just drive, you know? Like, where, where do I go? Just drive. That's, and, and, and he did that. that. And that wasn't just driving where you can come back. No, you sell everything you have that you can't take, and you just go out where you don't even know you're going. And by faith, he did that. God, I trust you. I'm doing that. 
Verse 11, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Not only was Sarah barren, right, during her fertile years, but those years ended, right? The way of women ended for her. And even then she received the power to conceive because she said, yes, my body is deteriorating. I'm going to die in a few years. I'm an old, saggy woman. And yet, God, I trust you that you can still create life through this body, which was never fruitful, which I have double lost my ability to bear children, yet I trust you. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Guys, do you realize what that means? Right? Do you guys remember this story? Who here remembers this story? Raise your hands. Abraham doesn't have a son his whole life. By faith, by the promise, he gets a son. This is amazing. God's going to fulfill his promise. He's going to give me many, you know, through you the nations will be blessed, right? All these amazing promises are coming true in Isaac. And then one day, God gives you a dream and says, Oh, by the way, this Isaac, the one through whom all your offspring will be named, I need you to take him to the mountain and sacrifice him. Kill him on the altar for me. It's like, God, you're contradicting yourself. Why would I need to do that? This is your promise being fulfilled. Are you, are you undoing your promise? That's not, that's not the way Abraham reacted. We read that Abraham had so much faith that he said, God, if you promise that through him the offspring will be named, and you're telling me to sacrifice him, then that means that you're going to raise him from the dead. That's how much faith he had going in. But guys, just imagine how difficult that must have been. That three-day journey leading up to the mountain of Moriah. Verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Guys, Moses had everything literally he he was set up fully like just imagine being a billionaire's child right a billionaire's son you are at the peak the peak of the world at that time and yet he refused to be called the son of pharaoh's daughter he says i reject all of that and i'm going to be identified with these lowly slaves who are mistreated the oppressed and repressed. I am one of them. I'm not you and your billionaire's child. That's not who I am. Guys, just think about how difficult it was to give all, guys, all of that up. It's insane. And yet he did by faith, knowing that it was better, that it was more important. Verse 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. This is the last one. Guys, imagine, there's this huge city that you need to conquer, that God told you, hey, you need to go conquer this city. And so you 
and, and, but you're not going to do it by hitting it with weapons. You're not going to build a crazy plan. No, you're just going to walk around the city once a day. That's it. That's it? Yes, that's it. Okay, God. This makes zero sense to me. But I trust you. God, if this is what you said that you're going to do, then I trust you. And by faith, they walked around, they encircled, and on the seventh day, the walls of Jericho came down. Despite what seemed to be impossible. Let's read verses, verse 33 to verse 38 together. This is just a list of all these things, all these walls, all these impossible circumstances that people came overcame by faith. Verse 33, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. This is the hall of faith. These are the people that live by faith. And now, now, let's read chapter 12, the first three verses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Let's go to the next slide. Let's look at that first phrase. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. So the word therefore... Guys, this is like a little grammar lesson, okay? Do you guys remember what the word therefore means? It means if this is true, if thing one is true, therefore do this, right? Thing two, whatever that is, right? If thing one is true, therefore do this. So what's thing one? What's thing one, guys? What's the therefore being based off? Shout it out, guys. Hall of faith, but in the text, verse 1. Great cloud of witnesses. So because we have the great cloud of witnesses, what's thing two? What should we do? What should we do? It's right there. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance that is set before us. Right? 
So because, in other words, because we have so many amazing examples, that's what the great cloud of witnesses is, right? Because we have so many great examples of people living by faith despite the insanity of their circumstances, let us also lay aside every weight and sin. Let us also run the race. In other words, guys, here's, this, here's the truth that is revealed to us here in Scripture. God has intended for us to be encouraged, to be strengthened with, by looking at the lives of other faithful believers in order to have endurance to run the race for the glory of God. Amen? Other examples of faithful people are meant to give us endurance to run the race. Guys, and have you noticed this with yourself, right? Seeing someone do something really hard and succeed at it, it's very energizing, isn't it? It's extremely energizing. You're like, wow, maybe I can do that too, right? Or at least a little bit of what they're doing, right? Uh, it motivates you, right? And that's human nature. That's how God made us. Hebrews 13, 7, just Jumping over one chapter, it says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. He's talking about leaders that have finished the race, right? The outcome of their way of life. He says, think about how their life ended. Think about how it all resulted. Think about how they ran the race and remained faithful to God despite their circumstances, despite their trials. Think about that, guys. And as you see that they ran well, imitate their faith. Imitate their faith. Guys, here's the reality. All of us, guys, all of us, we all consider the outcome of someone's life. We all, like, let me translate that to normal language. We all look up to someone, don't we? whether we admit it to others, whether we even admit it to ourselves. But we all look up to someone or to some group of people. We all think of some people that we admire and that we ultimately imitate, whether it be your friends, someone in your family, some influencer, some leader, some star, celebrity. doesn't matter. We all look up to someone and we are called to look up to those who faithfully ran before us. Let's go to the next slide, guys. And this is the first fill in the blank. For self-reflection, guys, here's what I want you to ask yourself this. Who am I looking up to? Who am I looking up to? Who am I looking up to? Guys, this is where I, I don't care if you ever admit this to anyone else, but I want you to be honest with yourself. Guys, please, be honest with yourself. Just you and God. Who am I looking up to? Who are the people that I'm actually looking up to? And my next follow-up question to that right away is, are they even Christian? Are they even Christian? 
I admire a lot of unbelievers for a lot of good qualities that they have. There's a lot of admirable things about a lot of different unbelievers. Their strength, their discipline, their hard work, maybe even their wisdom in certain ways. But ultimately, that can't be it, guys. That can't be the one that you look up to because it's faith that matters most. Amen? That's the only thing that matters, truly. Everything else can go to the trash heap as long as we believe our God, as we trust in our God. Ultimately, it's that relationship with God, that connection with God, which provides us eternal life. And if our person that we're looking up to doesn't have that relationship and is on the way to hell, then who are we following and where are we following them to? If we're not looking up, guys, the scripture is clear here. If we are not looking up to those who faithfully ran the race before us, then why are we surprised when we don't have endurance? Guys, what's another word for endurance? Louder. Steadfastness. What's a word that you would use on a daily to describe endurance? Perseverance, right? What else? Motivation, right? Strength, patience. Guys, if we're not looking up to the faithful, should we be surprised that we, don't, we have no strength in our spiritual walks? John Piper, his top most recommended books after the Bible are Christian biographies, guys. Christian biographies. And I'm, this is, I've heard this from other preachers as well. He says, read Christian biographies. There's just so much power in seeing other people just endure faithfully through those crazy circumstances. Believe me, it's amazing. Read Christian biographies. It will boost your faith like nothing before. Like, if there's one thing you take away from this retreat, let it be this. Read Christian biographies. Find them on YouTube. Listen to testimonies. Whatever it is, it will energize your faith. So, the question is, who am I looking up to? And what kind of race is this person encouraging me to run in? Right? The race of faith? Or a worldly race that leads to destruction? So let's go to the next slide. Guys, we become like the people we look up to. We become, this is the reality. This is just human nature. This is how God has designed us. We become those like those to whom we look up to. Let's go to the next slide. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. Notice it's the same exact thing. It's the same idea, right? In Hebrews beginning of 12, then here, and then 13, looking to Jesus. The author reminds us that we are supposed to be looking not just at men and women of the faith, but ultimately at Jesus. And verse 3 says essentially the same thing. Consider Him. Oh, it's not here. The next verse. Consider Him who endured from sinners such hostility against Himself, so that you may not grow weary or be faint-hearted. Think about Jesus. That's what consider Jesus means. Think about Jesus, guys, so that you may not grow weary or be faint-hearted. Honest answer. Honest 
moment right now, guys. Who here feels like there are times in your spiritual walk you grow weary and faint-hearted? Honestly. Well, the Bible tells us very clearly what the medication for that is. It's consider Jesus. Think about Jesus. Guys, this is what God has prescribed to us. If you are growing weary, if your heart is becoming faint, if you are weak and discouraged and you feel like you just can't keep going, the solution is to look to Jesus, to think about Jesus and how He overcame His obstacles. Because as long as we keep looking at our own selves, right, there's just plenty of room for discouragement. That's all there is, right? You guys know this. You sin and you look at yourself and you're like, I'm garbage. I can't do this. I'm weak. I'm worthless. Yeah. When we consider ourselves, when we focus on ourselves, when our eyes turn from Jesus onto ourselves, all we see is the mud. All we see is the dirt. And we can't get past it. But looking to Jesus, looking to the faith of other people gives us strength. And you all know this is true. We all know. That's why verse 1 says, the cloud of witnesses run the race with endurance. Based on the fact that we have these witnesses run the race with endurance. And Jesus is our perfect example. You know why? Because he is called, in Hebrews 12, the founder and the what of our faith? Perfecter of our faith. Founder means he started it, right? Like a founder of a company, right? He started our faith. And perfecter means not only did he finish our faith or complete our faith, he perfected it. He finished it utterly perfectly. He started it and he finished it perfectly, meaning Christ is the apex. He is the perfect example, the highest. You cannot get any better of how to live faithfully who completed excellently. And if we are to be mature in our faith, guys, who here wants to be mature in your faith? Honest. If you want to be mature in your faith, if you want to endure in the race, if you want to not quit halfway through, turn around and just slide right back down the mountain, if you want to last, actually last until the end, if you want to actually finish the the finish line, then we must consider the lives of other faithful people who ran the race before us. But more importantly, we are to consider and to think about the life of Jesus. Guys, our heart is to cling to the preciousness of Jesus and His example that He left behind for us. How He endured such hardship and hostility from sinners, right? That's what the Word says. How He endured the cross, despising the shame. Guys, do you realize that Jesus was crucified naked on the cross for us? Do you realize that? That's why it says despising the shame. It was shameful. You put any one of us up here naked, we're going to be ashamed. And that's what Jesus did in public for us. And yet he overcame even the shame for our sake. He endured the cross. 
he endured such horrible treatment by people which he never deserved. Guys, most of the problems we have in our life, let's be honest, it's because we deserve it by our own foolishness and sinfulness, right? Most of it. And Jesus did not deserve any of it. Not an ounce. And how he humbled himself. Guys, Philippians 2, I'll just read this for you quickly. Philippians 2, 5. Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So meaning he didn't like try to hold on to it, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He humbled himself all the way. And guys, whenever we feel like we are being mistreated, look to Jesus. Whenever we feel like our circumstances are hard, look to Jesus. Consider Jesus. Whenever you feel like giving up and you don't have enough strength, guys, look to Jesus. Because we become like the people that we look up to. We become the people that we look up to. And that's why the number one person, and I'm not saying this is easy, and I'm not saying I got this down perfectly. I struggle with this too. But the number one person to look up to is Jesus Christ. He is the infinite God-man. And He is the infinite just spring of strength and encouragement, of endurance and perfection. And we can have that strength if we look to Him. But the question I want to ask now is, what was His secret? How was He able to endure such sufferings? How were the people of God in the hall of faith, how were they able to endure such insane circumstances? The first half of the sermon, the big half, this is the second one, the quick one. The big one is, who are we looking to, right? What are our examples? And the second one is, what, were, what was the secret of the people of faith? What was Christ's secret? And the secret is one and the same. Verse 2, let's read it together. Next slide. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. Guys, just think about those words, who for the joy that was set before him, meaning when Jesus was on the cross, when he was enduring the sufferings on the cross, there was joy and before him, meaning in front of him, right? There was joy in front of him. And because of that joy that was in front of him, he was able to withstand the cross and not give up and not summon billions of angels to wipe the earth clean. Because he could, at an instant, free himself. And he did it because he had something before him that is the joy. The joy of what? The joy of, of being soon with the Father. The joy of redeeming his people, his bride whom he loves. The joy of be, returning back home and sitting on his throne. The joy. And guys, just so you see that this isn't some cool theory that I'm making up. We see this actually in the Bible everywhere. 
For example, Hebrews 11, verse 27 again. By faith, this is Moses, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Again, he was looking at something before him, that is God. He seen God who was invisible, and that gave him the strength to endure in the now, in his present Verse 24, by faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 26, how did he do all these things? For he was looking forward to the reward. He was looking forward to the reward. Doesn't that seem kind of unspiritual? Doesn't that, guys? Honest, like, like reward, like what's in it for me kind of mentality, like that, that just seems a little shallow, Moses, okay? You're just, you're a little immature in your faith, okay? Like you're supposed to be good for goodness sake, right? Like that Christmas song says, right? No. It's very spiritual to look forward to the reward. Moses looked forward to the reward and he was commended for looking forward to the reward and he was... And through that, through being able to look forward to the reward, he was able to say no to being associated as Pharaoh's son. All right, Pharaoh's daughter's son. Because he was looking forward to the reward. The problem is not looking for a reward. Guys, the problem is when we look for the reward here on earth. But when we look for the reward in heaven, that is what gives us true strength. That's when we can endure truly. It's very spiritual to look forward to a reward in heaven. Verse Hebrews 10:34, the author speaking to the Hebrews, he says, "And you joyfully accepted the stealing of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and a lasting one." Guys, think about this. The Hebrews, I'm going to, this is the fill in the blank. The Hebrews joyfully accepted the stealing of their property. ESV says plundering. Because they knew that they had a better possession. I'm going to say that one more time. The Hebrews joyfully accepted the plundering of their property, the stealing of their property. Why? Because they knew they had a better possession. Guys, this is insane. Someone, imagine someone comes and steals your stuff, like the stuff that you worked hard for. Think about something you worked hard for, and then someone comes up in front of you and just takes it from you and leaves. Just complete disrespect, rude. It's not, they're not even trying to be sneaky about it. And the Hebrews, they, not just, they didn't just accept the stealing of their property. They joyfully accepted it. Guys, that is the world of a difference. It's one thing to accept it, saying, well, he's bigger than me, so I'm not going to fight him because he's going to hurt me. It's completely different to say, yes, yay, I, I, I just lost something, but I have joy in my heart. Guys, why do they have joy? Answer it. 
They were looking forward to the reward. They knew they had a better possession. It's fine. You could steal my TV. God's going to give me a TV that's a million times better in heaven, right? 3D, holographic, all of that, right? You could steal my iPhone. I'm going to get something way better. Guys, that is what faith is. It's that scene of that joy, the joy that was set before Christ. It is the reward that Moses looked forward to. It is the better possession that the Hebrews were looking at and rejoicing when they had lost something here on earth. It's only possible by faith. Moses, the Hebrews, Jesus, all of them were able to endure because of the joy that was set before them. And so the question for all of us tonight is, guys, this is your fill in the blank. Is faith fueling my race? Or am I trying to do it without faith? Because this is an honest question. In your race in life, in your spiritual walk, is faith giving you endurance? Or is faith just a word that you use in church around other people? Are you just trying to run the race on your own faithlessly? Faithlessly. You'll never make it without faith, guys. That's the reality. You will never make it without faith. Is the joy of heaven that is set before me, is it at the center of my spiritual fight here on earth? Guys, ask yourself, do I look forward to the reward like Moses did? If not, then why should we be surprised when we have no strength? Why should we be surprised when we have no endurance? If we are not doing the things that the people of faith were doing, if we're not doing what Jesus Himself was doing, if the great people of the Bible, even Jesus Himself, had to look forward to the reward in order to be able to keep going, then are we greater than Jesus that we don't need the joy that is set before us? We can do it without joy. We can do it by our own strength. Guys, you, you realize the logic. It's broken, right? We're not better than Jesus. We need to use the same tools that Jesus used. That was His secret. That was their secret. So to recap, part one, who are your examples? Whose ways of life do you look up to? And are you filling your heart with examples of godly men and women that faithfully ran the race before you? Whose life are you encouraged by today? And part two, are you looking forward by faith in order to receive power in your present? Are you looking and thinking about the joy that is set before you? Are you looking to the reward. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, I understand that only you, Lord, can open the eyes of the physically blind, but more importantly, the eyes of the spiritually blind, Lord. Only you can open people's eyes to this reality, to the reward, to the joy, that they would see spiritually Him who is invisible, Lord. Only you can do that, Lord. And I plead with you, Lord, please open the eyes of those who are blind, God. Let them see you, Lord. Let them consider you, Lord. And I pray for those who have had their eyes already open. Lord, may we take our eyes off of ourselves and put our eyes back onto you like we did before. And let us run with endurance the race. Let us run to finish. In Jesus' name, amen.